what an incredible week one we had. We got your hysteria, we loved it, and now we're going to build up to the week two games. Colour Rush is here. Ollie will tell you which the best uniforms are and which teams aren't going to wear the uniforms. And we'll pick all the week two games so that you know exactly who you should pick on Gridiron Pick'em because basically the rule of thumb is pick against Ollie. This is the Gridiron Show. Hello, welcome to the Gridiron Show. Uh, we are back in the man cave for this week because what we're doing is recording on Thursday morning, previewing the weekend's games, and then in a moment we'll add in a little chatette about the Thursday night game uh, as, a, as a little additional extra for you, a little tease, a little bit of fun. Chatette. A chatette, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ollie Hunter, how are you, sir? Yeah, I'm all right. All right, you are right. Pick against me. I got seven last week seven yeah i mean i went for some flyers you say don't go for flyers on week one i think you have to go for flyers on week one yeah that's a helicopter yeah it's just yeah i just i could slightly hear it in my ears and i'm like hopefully it's not the helicopter with the the uh the camera that spots uv lamps fingers crossed yeah (laughs) otherwise the the man shed at the end of the garden we are in trouble uh big shout to peter brads peter brads 85 15 picks correct last week and Here's the thing, I went bold on a few things, and it ends up that picking against favourites is a terrible idea. I ended up with 10. I averaged about 10 last year, and I won it overall. So let's just not get overexcited about week one. I'm right in the middle of the pack. Ollie's right at the back end. Matt Sherry, annoyingly, is leading of the people from Gridiron on 12. Uh, but it's that's, a fa- that's a false dawn. I believe you'll have a better week this week, mate. I'm feeling like I'll have a better week this week. I Thanks, believe in you. Uh, so we'll get to all the news as well. We'll get to what's happening from around the... In fact, we should probably start off with, because we're going to talk about the Thursday night game. Uh, two things, first of all. Colour Rush returns tonight. Yes! We didn't get a chance to properly react to the Colour Rush unis last week, Ollie. Uh, would you like to do so now? Yeah, um, hashtag KitWatch. KitWatch! Oh, hold on, I have actually got that here. Oh, right, okay. Oh, but you can't hear it. <laughs> Will you cue me in? Okay, uh, let's try it again then. Well, and a one, two, three. I can hear it through your insanely loud headphones. (laughs) (laughs) You're ridiculous. Now, Kitwatch, uh, Colour Rush, hashtag Colour Rush without the U, guys. Um, Maybe we should start a new one with the U. Let's not do that. Colour Hour Rush. Yeah. Um, All of the the uniforms were released, I think, uh, a couple of days ago. Yeah, a couple of days ago. There are... Five standout uniforms. Okay, here we go. Hashtag Kitwatch. This is exactly what I wanted from you, Ollie, and you're bringing it to me. I love the Raiders. Sort of white and silvery. I love Seattle. They've gone for that. I neon. hate it. Oh, hate mate, it. The neon green is great. It's I'm loving so that. horrendous. I don't like it on the on as the flex on their actual uniform, but as a as a an all-out colour rush. It's so garish. It's wonderful. Uh, the Rams is beautiful. This sort of... Um, uh, uh, see, I was a little disappointed with the Rams because they've got such a great helmet. I thought that they, they've gone for the full, full-on yellow look, haven't they? Um, it, I thought it could have been a bit more inventive, a bit more fun. The, the worst, the most disappointing, is it's got to be the Chargers. They're in Eddie Royal blue, but it should be in baby Alfred blue. It really, ha- I mean, they. I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. That's you. Um, it's Matt Sherry ringing me to ask if he can come on the podcast. But the standout, the abs- my absolute favourite. You know who it is? 
Go on. And it's a bit... I quite like Washington, by the way. I like the Washington yellow. It's the Saints. The Saints in, the, in white, but with the gold and black trim is beautiful. Oh, Pittsburgh Steelers, all black with yellow as well, is outstanding. Yeah, that's uh, Matt Sherry trying to call me as well now. I, I kind of, I feel like, um, I, I like, I think I like most of the ones you talked about. Uh, I actually like both the Cardinals and the 49ers ones, because even though some people might think they're a little dull, the black with the red numbers really look stand out on both of them. Uh, the Cardinals, basically the difference is they've got the white trim and the 49ers have got like the stripes, but uh, I really like that style. In fact, the whole NFC West has had a pretty strong showing. If you, know, you I was, like I was the garish, that. if you like the garish green, I also quite like the, um, the Bengals, the Bengals have gone for the white change and are all white with just the black trim on the shoulders and the red numbers. And I think they look really smart. I'll tell you what the Bengals, if you look closely, will Gavin, you'll see that the, uh, this this sort of details are tiger stripes they're black oh. little tiger stripes down the legs oh. looks fantastic and uh why's my internet stop working and um finally where is it the miami dolphins all orange i you know orange is my favorite color so i quite like that i do not endorse this uh, <laughs> but what about the jets tonight they're not wearing colour, Ashley. Well, yeah, but that's because of colourblind gate. The, it finally, someone in the NFL managed to see sense that you couldn't actually, if you were colourblind, red, red, green, colourblind, because the Buffalo Bills are playing in all red against the, the all green of uh, of the New York Jets. They people couldn't tell who was who. So for those people that are hashtag colourblind. Uh, that's with a you. You definitely don't need to hashtag the word colorblind. <laughs> okay, fine, fine. Um, the Jets are going in their all white uniform today, which I, which is nice. I like that. Uh, I like that. I like that. We'll see. Ho, 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 in all white. So there we go. Lovely. Just wanted to drop that for you. So uh, big question straight away. Well, Acrid Iron, tell us what your favorite color rush uniform is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, done. Um, so. What's your um? What's your pick for tonight? Sorry, Matt Sherry's now messaging me. What is your pick for tonight? Pick for tonight is New York Jets. You I know, t- I know they're away, but um, that's who I'm going for. Are you going against me? Uh, <laughs> I, I now feel like I should. I I do feel like the Bills have uh, got a better opportunity of being better than they did last week, but I really don't expect the Jets to go zero and two. The Bills were truly awful last week. Unfortunately. I am also going for the New York Jets. Shall we find out what happened? So Thursday Night Football, what a game. I have to apologise immediately for the fact that I am speaking very quietly. I am recording this in my house and I do not want to get in trouble with the wife and all the neighbours. What a game it was. New York Jets 37, Buffalo Bills 31. Uh, Who expected it to be so high scoring between these two offences? But the fact is the Buffalo Bills, their scores came from a defensive turnover on a fumble and and two huge bombs. Tyrod Taylor scoring on uh, throws which almost were as long as his entire passing yards last week. A 71-yard bomb to Salas in the, to kick off the second half, following up from an 84-yard throw to Marquis Goodwin in the first. 
It started off weirdly. Weird first drive. Long one. 18, uh, 8 minutes 19. Got a field goal out of it. Went downfield to Quincy Anuwa. What a day he had. The Bills had a couple of sacks. Rex challenged on a weird four-yard second down catch. You know, brilliantly ridiculous, classic, classic Rex. But the tight end did go out of bounds without control, so he got it right. Fit quite lucky on second down, but completed on a third and seven on his feet. And he was brilliant on third down all night, Fitzpatrick. He went uh, he went eight for 11 on third down. Quite a few of those situations, third and long. I just want to give you this, uh, this run from the Jets offense, actually. Forte, 100 yards, three touchdowns. Decker, 126 yards and a touchdown. Marshall, 101 yards. Quinty Anua, another 92 yards. All four of them had brilliant days. Fitzpatrick, 374 yards in the air, plus... The touchdown. Honestly, mate, I'm going against Forte with in Paolo Bandini's league. Could have thrown it for a few more touchdowns, maybe in the direction of Marshall, mate. You know, that would have helped me. Uh, Bills did actually look decent really early on, was swarming well, covered with eight man, doubling up Marshall and Decker. But once they started getting hit, they started getting hit hard and they had that really amazing corner duo last year. Ronald Darby and Stefan Gilmore. Ronald Darby doing so brilliantly as a rookie. And they just, I mean, throws thrown in their direction today. 13 for 19, 226 yards and a touchdown. Just thrown to those two players. Fitzpatrick made them look silly. Jerry Hughes was incredible early on. Speed rusher, but playing every down, shedding blocks, getting outside stop runners. But he took a nasty hit and apparently had some bleeding early on and... He looked poor from that point forwards. Preston Brown swarming, and that's the problem. There's just no depth on this Bills defense with Marcel Darius suspended, Reggie Ragland and Shaq Lawson injured. They're so, so thin. It's absolutely ridiculous at this point. Uh, other talking points I'm trying to think of. So Forte, I mean, Forte, brilliant all night, had his 100 yards, got his three touchdowns. Uh, the two bombs from Tyrod Taylor, absolutely brilliant. He did have the one pick. Now, this is an interesting situation. Ed Hockley actually took Tyrod Taylor out of the game for concussion protocol in the second half. Delighted to see it being enacted properly, particularly after what we've said about Cam Newton. And I can't remember what order we did the podcast in when we recorded it this morning, so I apologise for that now. But he also... Um, but we're going to talk about play smart, play safe. And considering what the NFL have said about that this week, it's massive that they're actually doing it. Now, as Big T says, I wonder where throwing a pick on the next play counts on the concussion protocol. Because after EJ Manuel goes out there, takes a couple of plays, they send Tyrod back out. He underthrows it horribly to Sammy Watkins. Marcus Williams picks it off. Marcus Williams, who had six interceptions on just 27% of the defensive snaps last year, he looks like a real player. And this is considering that the Bills, on the, between these two, they recovered the fumble for their touchdown to make it 24-20. The last six meetings between these two, Bills had 66 points on turnovers at that point. The Jets had just three off turnovers in the last six meetings. Well, they managed to turn this one into a touchdown. Guess who it was, Matt Forte. No real surprise. For the Jets, this was absolutely massive because look at the next uh, slate of games. They're at the Chiefs next week. Then they've got the Seahawks home. Then they're at the Steelers. Then they're at the Cardinals. Those four games, you don't get much tougher than that, considering that they're then playing the Ravens after that. We don't know who the Ravens are yet, but that could still be a tough matchup. For the Bills, Cardinals home next at the Pats. After that, Rob Ryan and Rex Ryan could be going 0-4. Rob Ryan is ruining lives across the NFL yet again with what he's doing to this Bills defense, and particularly those cornerbacks, and I am starting to fear for the Bills in a big, big, big way. Anyway, so that was my takes on Thursday Night Football, and let's get back to the podcast. (laughs) 
So we were both wrong. So we were both right. One of the two. I've recorded them both, pretending that I'm going to take one out and put the other one in, and I will probably end up leaving them both in. Well done, buddy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, let's get through and uh, look through some of the... Uh, Let's get through and look through some of the news for this week, uh, then ahead of the games. What we all normally do is try and weave this in and amongst whilst we're talking about the games. But uh, basically, because we decided to do it at home at the very last minute, uh, we are horrendously underprepared. We should talk Nothing about... Nothing new there. <laughs> we, let's t- start off by talking about Roger Goodell and player safety, because obviously we talked about this a lot on last week's podcast after the Thursday night game, and I got pretty ranty about it, but uh, the NFL is pledging $100 million to player safety con- as concerns about concussions grow in the game. I mean, that's a tiny sum of money for the NFL, is the first thing that we should say, in comparison to who it is for anyone else. That's going towards research about he- uh, head trauma. Um, Goodell is part of a new initiative called Play Safe, Play Smart. Uh, Goodell wrote that the goal of the initiative is to drive progress in prevention, diagnosis and treatment of head injuries, enhance medical protocols and further improve the way the game is taught and played by all who love it. He released this big, like, 20-page document to go with it, where the money's going to go, what they're going to do with it, etc. And, okay, on paper, this all sounds great. Hunky-dory, really pleased for you, Roger. But until you actually start to put it into practice and we don't see players like Cam Newton left in play when he's taken four shots to the head and we see that Brandon Marshall received a fine of about $28,000. That's nothing compared to what his game check is. And until we start seeing suspensions for players who are hitting players in the head, I just... And to, uh, it's just hollow. They are hollow, hollow words to me. It feels like lip service. And until I see it happening on the field, you can do, be doing everything you want off the field, but you need to be proving that you actually want to protect these players when they're playing the sport. I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. I'm looking at a, an article in the Washington Post. Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones says it uh, says it's absurd to believe that a link has, fi- has been firmly established between football and CTE. Um, that That was back in March. I think a lot of sort of education has to be go- has to go in with organisations from the top downwards. It seems, and I know a lot of players are concerned about it, but there are people in the higher echelons of the game who, who, as we see with Jerry Jones, who who don't believe it. So, a bit of education, uh, technological development, and let's start by by as you say. Uh, Putting out game-wide bans, maybe suspensions for the next game for for hits like that. It's done in other sports. Other sports, foul play, you're banned for the next one, two, three games. And they've in theory introduced this idea of the two flags for uh, for um, uh, certain offences will see you taken out of the game. But these players, uh, I mean, we actually saw uh, that Von Miller was responsible for two of these hits. But actually, there's a, a a level at which you've got to say that retrospectively, if it's clear targeting is as fine enough, do they need to miss a game? And particularly if it's more than one occasion, I think maybe one occasion would be tough. You look back on occasions like you can remember the, um, the Navarro Bowman hit on Drew Brees two years ago, uh, or was that early last season, one of the two, um, where the super slow-mo replay actually showed that not only did Navarro Bowman, 
keep his head up, didn't lower the helmet, but he actually hit Breeze in the shoulder. It was just the force of the tackle was so much. It caused Breeze's head to whiplash and it looked a lot worse than it was, but he didn't actually hit Breeze in the head. And you could have argued that as a, a challengeable penalty, that would have been overturned. So for him to be banned for that would be harsh. But there were some of these hits on Thursday night that were very clear, lowering of the helmet, coming off the feet and hitting this guy straight in the head. And it's just not good enough. Targeting. It was targeting. It was disgraceful. I think Wade Phillips should be ashamed of himself. I do like him, though. It was nice when he came on the podcast. Don't care. Wade, (laughs) I think you need to apologise to Cam Newton and to me. Uh, yeah, a personal apology for Ollie Hunter would be delightful. Thank you very much. Um, let's go through a few bits of the news. Ollie, we, we haven't really had a chat yet. Is there anything you know, new that's happened with you over the last couple of days? Anything exciting you want to tell me about? No, 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 not really. Fine. I just I didn't want people to miss out on the early podcast banter because we both I'll had to get to what, work. I've um, I've just got into I mean, I've always liked them, but I've just got into gherkins. <laughs> I bought a sandwich the other day, which was. Ham, French bread with butter and gherkins. That was it. I had to add a bit of black pepper, of course. But the gherkins, wow. Getting a little bit of sour in your life. Oh, mate. You're liking that. I, I think there are two people in this world. People that like gherkins and people that don't. I, I am a gherkin liker, not a gherkin lover, though. I'm not a gherkin lover. I feel like you've become a gherkin I'm telling you what, I'm on the way. I've had a dalliance. Would it get into your top three smells? Oh, no. <laughs> oh yeah we said we'd do another should we do just one and then we're save gonna do the, the next... top three smells we're gonna do what our new hysteria song was gonna be there was so much planned for this show ollie and then the fact that we've done it on the fly 15 minutes after saying we're gonna do it it's all gone out the window let's do hysteria next week let's do another one of our top three smells well, and save the last one for next week i can tell you what the hysteria song is going to be at this point because we've had some great suggestions in and hysterious girl is the, it? The, the, well that same suggestion is coming from three people <laughs> yeah. and at this point i'm starting to feel like the tidal swell of people who want it to be peter andre's hysterious girl uh is becoming too much and I'm not saying we are going to go to a waterfall and film a video of me gyrating in the pool below it while singing it, but we might do because I just want to make Ollie do that. We might not release it. I just want to have Ollie stare at my gyrating gut splashing around in the... (laughs) This is one of the worst. I'm sorry if you're eating. (laughs) I will Um, fake tan myself to the nines, oil myself so I'm all bronzed up. I'll part my hair like Peter Andre in the 90s. No, please, just stop it. Oh, hysterious girl. There we go. I've done it already. We don't even need to re-record it now. <laughs> Ginger Andre. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, there were a few other good ones, but that was the main one. Well, maybe we'll play you the other ones in the uh, Monday show, but I think that's probably going to end up being it, isn't it? What's your second favourite smell? Oh, I, I haven't had time to really think about it. Do you know, fresh baked bread. Great shout. I like that. I really... Do you know what? Sometimes when you just come up with things off the cuff, they're the best. Yeah, that's wonderful. I mean, of course, there's there's grass. I mean, mine were all going to be food-based, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, I like yeah. freshly popped popcorn as well. I really like frying onions. Oh, yeah. Garlic. Just anything garlic, except for breath. Yeah, but even garlic. then, I don't, I'm not that offended by it. I'm not offended. It's more... You could have sorted that out. It's disappointment more than offence. Should we get on with talking about football now? Let's do it. Yeah. I did go to the cinema this week, by the way. Ollie. Oh, what did you see? I went to see Don't Breathe. 
I highly recommend it. Is it a scary movie? It's pretty scary. I'm not watching it. It's about uh, three young kids. One of them works. His dad owns a security firm. They break into homes to steal very small amounts of money in Detroit to keep it below $10,000 so they won't get done for felony lastly if they get caught. And then they found out that this ex-army vet has what they believe to be $300,000 in his house because he got a big payout from somebody. This has all happened in the first five minutes. All of this, it doesn't matter. It's all about the setup. They break, matter, in, I'm not gonna watch they break into his house. He's blind, but he's an ex-army vet. And essentially, it's them trying to... He, they get locked in his house with him. Ends up he's a psycho, but you kind of hate them as well because they've broken into his house. And it's all like them trying to not breathe so he can't find them and hide in corners. And it's all, it's the most tense thing I've watched in ages. I literally spent the whole time literally not breathing myself. It's brilliant. Oh, great. Yeah, sounds brilliant. Why? I, I just don't get it. I don't you, get it. You, you'd love it, Ollie. I wouldn't love it. I hate that stuff. You would genuinely love it. I really wouldn't. I'd come out of it going, why have I spent an hour and a half watching this, feeling scared? Because it's the adrenaline rush. I don't like it. You I don't would. like being scared. I think you would. I wouldn't. You like that? You like that? Not happy about this. Move on. <laughs> uh, so, just a few bits of news. A uh, few injury uh, updates from last week. Russell Wilson with his ankle injury. Uh, practices fully for the Seahawks yesterday. He is expected to play this weekend. I picked up Joe Flacco just in case. Joe Flacco is going against the Browns. So, if you have Russell Wilson... Get Joe Flacco. He'll be available in 80 yeah. billion percent at least. Exactly. We need to do Fancy Darlings as well. Remember that at the end of the podcast so we can throw to it and then we'll get him to do it. Um, the uh, other Elsewhere, uh, <laughs> the, uh, Rob Gronkowski still practicing in limited format for the Pats. In a unlikely. And this is what we found out. He's been limited in practice through most of the offseason. They traditionally haven't played him in the preseason anyway. So apparently he's been limited for some time. This injury dates back to early August. And there's a chance that Rob Gronkowski could miss almost as long as Tom Brady. Uh, and the Pats, whilst they were impressive against the Cardinals, it's a big player to lose. Yeah, Martellus Bennett was not used at all. I think he had one catch for 16 yards. That was it. Uh, you know, in terms of production, I don't know what he, how he was blocking-wise. But to, to, that's so Belichick not letting anybody know about it. <laughs> um, the Cardinals have claimed Farrell Simon from the Seahawks off waivers. Uh, the team announced. Uh, now, this is I raised this because we talked about this. Uh, early, uh, earlier in the week, but they've been having real trouble at the position. Mike Jenkins went down with the ACL injury. Justin Bethel has been unready to return from a foot injury. It kept him out at the end of last season as well. Brandon Williams really struggled against the Pats opposite Patrick Peterson. And, uh, you know, the, Harold Simon is a good player. Richard Sherman at one point said that he thought that by the end of their careers, Harold Simon would be seen as the better player. But he's only started five games over the last three seasons with injuries and in just inconsistency has limited him. So it's that question of can he go in and be the next Bruce Arians project where he gets a player who looks like his career might have been done. Did it with Chris Johnson last year. Uh, he did it with um, Dwight Freeney last year, yeah. bringing guys in who looked like they were not ever going to quite make it or not ever do it again in the place of those two great players. And this could be another guy who turns around. It would be big. Although he's going to have to start against Jameis Winston and that impressive looking Bucks offense this week. It's not an easy start it's because a, if you're not covering game. Mike, 
You're covering everyone else. That's one of two great games so far this weekend. Uh, the, uh, there's lots of Josh Norman stuff this week already. Uh, Wash- it's just him talking smack and people talking smack at him. Well, Washington, it's boring, isn't it? Washington are going up against the Dallas Cowboys this weekend. And Des Bryant has come out and said that he um, respects Josh Norman as a rival and believes that he is the ma- like he is one of the top corners in the league. He said the fe- the feelings mutual. Basically, instead of what they've done with every other player, these two have been respecting each other and not trading barbs through the media and been getting on all very well. And then the New York Giants, who are in no way involved with it whatsoever, Victor Cruz decided to serve up some hot takes and uh, start saying that. If he was, I thought he was going to follow AB all over the place. He didn't. He made his choice, especially if he calls himself the best corner in the league. Then you have to cover the best receivers. Of course, Norman came out and said, I'm trusting Joe Barry. I'm trusting uh, Perry Farewell. I'm trusting my coaches and I'm not following because they're telling me to stick to one side of the field. But I did feel like having rewatched that game in the last two days since when it wasn't working, when Brashant Breeland was clearly struggling just switch them because, mm. oh, right, they might move Antonio Brown, but they should be able to switch sides of the field and still be able to cover. But the thing is, Eli Roberts and uh, who's the other guy? Sammy Coates. Uh, see, sorry, Eli Rogers and Sammy Coates both had very, very good games as well. Sammy Coates. <laughs> yeah, yeah, him as him also. But both of, the, both of them had um, excellent games too. So it wasn't like... Some of those must have been thrown towards Josh Norman. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that he didn't have a great game. But you know. But you're saying he didn't have a great game. Yeah. Uh, Mike Zimmer is. Well, a couple of bits of quarterback news. Mike Zimmer. Uh, Packers are expecting Bradford, but he is refusing to name the starter at this point. Do you know what? If you expect Bradford and you get Hill. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> there you go. It hot take from Ollie Hunter. Whilst Jared Goff has admitted, fake that, take. Uh, Jared Goff. Jeff Fisher has admitted that Jared Goff could be moved up the quarterback scale to number two on the depth chart and become the backup this week. Whee! When it comes to quarterbacks, I refuse to believe anything that Jeff Fisher says. <laughs> Fair. Okay. Uh, moving on then. Eric Dick. DJ Eric Dickinson called the Rams' loss an embarrassment on NFL.com this week. He was on there uh, promoting something to do with FedEx or something. And uh, he was obviously a legend when they were playing in L.A. And oh, he just just slated them. Just absolutely slated them. And he's, and he's right. And he was Nothing great. worked. Nothing worked. Gurley was rubbish. Everyone was rubbish. The defense was rubbish. It was rubbish. It was an embarrassment. This is uh, his exact quote. The city is happy, you know. The one thing about Los Angeles is you've got to win. That's the one thing. You've got to win in that city. And what they showed on Monday night was an embarrassment. <laughs> wow. Yeah, great. Don't hold back. Love you, Eric. Uh, and uh, Sean Smith is the other person who I found interesting his comments last week. The Raiders won against New Orleans, but they have, uh, they've got another theoretically tough matchup this week against Atlanta. You know, he could find himself lining up opposite Mo Sanu, who had a great week one. Julio Jones could be ready to go in a, in a, uh, a, a more fully formed role. And it could be tough for him this week. He admitted that having signed for the Raiders, he expected more from himself and he had a tough week. And I like it when a player comes out and is just honest and says, look, not my best game. Let's make it my best game this week. That was me at Sunday League Football last week. Uh, did you get sent off again? I know, but it wasn't forgotten. Uh, we were playing the A's. We were we were trounced. The Oakland Athletics. Exactly. Um, we, the B's, were trounced. 
I did not play well, but I'm hoping for better this week. If well, I get, I probably won't get selected. You think you could get a call up to the A's if you? Uh, oh, there's no chance of perform that. Perform against them. I tell you what, there's no chance of that. <laughs> Is that I, I, Ollie? Don't put yourself down, man. Any anyone can be anything they want to be in this league. Thanks, mate. Uh, we did put a question out for tweets on Twitter, but because again, we've only started recording this in the last. I think we decided half an hour ago, and then you came straight here and we started recording. So uh, we've had very few questions in, but they're starting to come in. Shall we dribbling uh, in? Are they? Shall we? Shall we dribble through a few questions and do our Thursday previews? Yeah. Uh, Adam Foxworth actually asked what mainly I'd like to ask what Will Gavin's next favourite smell is. My guest is pfeffermint schnapps. No, Ooh. that is not my favourite smell. <laughs> what I didn't realise was somebody told me later is that every time we were doing shots of them, they were f- they were double shots. They, I thought they looked like big glasses, but I didn't question it. And apparently they were like, yeah, they were like, or well, not doubles. Weirdly, they do like four centiliter shots. Why didn't you bring back the podcast? i.e. me, uh, a bottle of Pfefferminch schnapps. Pfefferminch schnapps. Yes, yeah. we can go back to Berlin again, mate. Come on. You know right. you want to. Yep. A uh, few questions. Uh, three other questions coming in. Rob firstly asked about the Raiders' two-point conversion. I think we kind of talked about it last week, but we loved it. Um, Sam asked us, when you said in your last podcast that Wilson is erratic when his O-line plays poorly, which QB isn't? I think what I meant, Sam, just to kind of back that up, because I was maybe a bit all over the place, is that his performances. The way that he plays, he's not a guy who, if he's under pressure, stands in the pocket, steps up through the pressure, and then makes the throw. He always will try to roll out. Now, last year, he didn't do that. He wasn't scrambling in those last seven or eight games, and you saw that he was making great throws when he did that. And my problem with Wilson has never been what he does when he scrambles, because he is the best in the league at that. The best, certainly, since Ben Roethlisberger's earlier days, when he was so good at escaping the pocket. But it's just so often he leaves an easy throw on the field to an open guy because a team has brought pressure, the O-line are collapsing, and if he just takes that little moment of poise, steps up in the pocket, hits the strike, actually he could make the throw. You see Brady do it all the time. You mm. see those, those more cerebral quarterbacks do tend to do it, and Wilson showed us he could do it at the end of last year. He didn't do it against the Dolphins, which was a, a regression for me to the early season form of Wilson from last year. And I think he's someone who... He's shown us he has that in his arsenal. I want to see it on Do a week-to-week basis. you think that was first-game rustiness? I hope so. I think I think might be. fans' base, but sakes. But, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I meant Coming up that. against a very good D line as well. So, yeah, the jury's still out on that, I think. Uh, ben Jones Bishop has uh, got in touch. That's the Ben Jones Bishop, uh, the um, Wakefield Wildcats uh, rugby league player. Wonderful. Just... Because, you know, just because. Uh, given how bad the Rams were on Monday night, is this week a big trap game for the Seahawks? Is there going to be a big bounce back in LA, Ollie? Well, I'll tell you what, the Seahawks... Is, the... It, is it one of the six o'clock games or is it a primetime game this week? It won't be a six o'clock game. It'll be West Coast, so it'll West be Coast. a nine o'clock game, yep. won't it? Well, should we uh, hold it? Let, hold off. Let's give our picks on that when we get to our picks. But BJB asking an interesting question. Uh, Alex Clark, if the 49ers knew how the future would play out, would they have stuck with Alex Smith rather than Colin Kaepernick in 2012-13? Well, hindsight um, is twenty twenty, isn't it? I mean, that's such a difficult question. But yeah, I, I didn't like your I, joke. I, I know that the Mike White would 100% have Alex Smith back over Colin Kaepernick in a heartbeat. I always liked Alex Smith anyway. But yeah, you, hindsight, like I say, is twenty twenty. You, you can never really... I th- something happened with Kaepernick 
You could say, well, if they were able to look back and see how things played out, they'd have taken Russell Wilson in the second round before uh, he was taken in the third round by the Seahawks. You know, you could say that there's, it's, it Don't just doesn't work Don't you think the upside like that, of Kaepernick is all, is the, the ceiling is higher or, no, they not thought, anymore. I don't. Sorry, they, I think we, I did at the time. I don't anymore. <laughs> they thought it was higher, and therefore you'd go with that flyer and hope that 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 would happen. Okay, looking back now, yeah, it. You know, Alex Smith is this sort of reliable guy who actually has been playing very, very good football for the last year and a half. But um, yeah, I, I guess they would probably revert back to that. In fact, Chip Kelly would prefer an Alex Smith kind of quarterback than the two that he's got at the moment. And um, a weird news story from this week. I say weird news story because it's not really news. Tom Brady's not in the league at the moment because, you know, he's all that deflating nonsense. Um, He revealed this week that he has never eaten a strawberry. I don't believe... Uh, he, he talks about cheeseburgers, loving cheeseburgers, where, how regularly he was allowed to eat them. And then he said, I don't think I've ever eaten a strawberry in my life. So, Thanks, Tom. Appreciate that. Jim McKinnon asked us, Brady's apparently ever eaten a strawberry. What's never been past your lips? Hashtag tell TGS. Was it gherkins before this week, Ollie? No, no, no. I've always eaten gherkins. You've just suddenly taken a new appreciation of them. Yeah, yeah. You know, those little mini gherkins. Uh, what's never, what have I never, ever eaten? Shark? I've never had a shark. Yeah, I've never eaten shark. That's fair. Um, Anything normal that you've never eaten? Don't think so. I think I've tried everything. <laughs> I really just wanted to leave that hanging. <laughs> <laughs> um, fair enough. All right. <laughs> that that It got weird quickly. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. You stared deep, deep into my eyes. I prefer it when there's a thick double pane of glass between Mate, us. You, you made it get weird. <laughs> um, uh, moving on. Uh, what, is there anything we can... Uh, Put a bang. That makes things better. Um, should we go? Let's get on and talk about this week's games. Yeah, let's start off with, with a game that I think is the best game of the week. I'm going to predict that you think... It's the Cincinnati Bengals at the Pittsburgh Steelers. You are right. Yeah. Uh, I love this game too. If it helps. It does help. 1-0 one, one Bengals go to the 1-0 Steelers. It's a divisional battle, rivalry, matchup. I'm loving this game. And it's a six o'clock game. Love that. Uh, Bengals coming into this, that one-point victory over the New York Jets last week. Not the cleanest of wins, but showed real toughness, resiliency, urgency. And Andy Dalton... Stepped up in the right position. He threw 366 yards and a touchdown. And he showed, you know, uh, against that ferocious Jets pass rush, he did exactly what I was just talking about. He stood in the pocket, he made the throws, and was really impressive, considering how many times he was hit. He bounced back up, was resilient, and went and got the win. I thought Andy Dalton showed exactly what he showed early last year. And Andy Dalton is a top 10 quarterback to me now. Wow. that's Where's your hysteria drop there? There you go. There you go. And no, I kind of agree. When you've got AJ Green who's playing lights out, let's get into hysterious. I forgot about your let's get into hysteria bit. You know, that isn't on our other soundboard at work. How disappointing. Yeah. I'm... I'll make sure it gets on there. Cool. Uh, well, we don't need any more because we're going to have Hysterious Girl from next week. Oh, yeah. Oh, baby go light down the rail. Whatever he says. Light up the room or something. Uh, that was that was loud in my ears. <laughs> you don't have headphones on. 
Uh, exactly. Steelers looked incredibly impressive against Washington. 22-point win. Uh, it just impressive across the board on offense. Gave uh, Did have the two interceptions, but both by linebackers. Um, they did give up pretty big chunk yardage to wide receivers. Uh, William Gay, Ross Cockrell, and Sean Davis just aren't the best coverers in the league. Um, Brandon LaFell should be a nice compliment opposite AJ Green. I'm taking... The Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, I've gone Steelers. I think most people will go Steelers, but I have been on this Bengals bandwagon all season, and I would feel ridiculous if I jumped off it now. And, and you're right to. Uh, oh, I don't know. What, do I change my pick? No, I haven't. I'm not going to change my pick. I like the Steelers. D'Angelo Williams is playing the best football of his life. Um, you've got. Antonio Brown, who's looking excellent. Eli Rogers, Sammy Coates. We might have Mark Wheaton, Marcus Wheaton back. James Jones, the tight end, is, is also Jesse, playing. Jesse James. Jesse James, him as well. Breathing <laughs> <laughs> a cat hair. <laughs> I think the point that Ollie is saying is um, that he thinks that offense is good enough to beat the Bengals no matter how many points they put up. But I think the Bengals' run defense is one of the best in the league. Geno Atkinson, Demata Peko, uh, one of the best defensive tackle duos up there with the Panthers. And I, I think they're going to stop D'Angelo Williams this week. And I think they're going to beat the Steelers on their turf. I don't really think that. I just need to say it now. I actually think the Bengals will lose there. The Steelers will lose there. They'll split, but the Bengals will win the division. I just, you know, I've hyped it so much, Ollie. I feel the need that I need to back it now. So what have you gone on gridiron-magazine? Oh, I've picked on the Bengals on there. I'm not a man that's going to... I'm not not shirking my duties. I'm not ludicrous. Uh, What's up next, buddy? Uh, Let's go for the second best game of the weekend. Are are we just sticking with the six o'clock kickoffs or are we going all over the shop? Oh, yeah, maybe we should just stick with the six o'clock kickoffs. Okay, the second best game, that is the six o'clock kickoffs. (laughs) No, no, let's. I, you know, Ollie, I like it. Let's bang through. Let's do your favourite pick games because I've made Ollie pick the games this week. Let's do your favourite games. We'll do this in a bit more depth and then we'll just do a very quick pick of the other games, yeah? Yeah, go on then. So, okay. what's my second favourite game? Easy. G B M M I N. Nope. What? You're not picking India Denver? Nope. Tampa Bay, Arizona? Tampa Bay, Arizona. What it's- you've got there is a fantastic offence. A, 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 a quarterback who is just coming into his own with Jameis Winston with Mike Evans, Vincent Jackson, Doug Martin, Charles Sims going up against an Arizona Cardinals team who lost last week. They probably should have won. Larry Fitzgerald is playing incredible football. Uh, you've got David Johnson, who's who, who looks like he could be a, a, another fan, have another fantastic year. That defense is looking awesome as well. I'm loving this game. Uh, it's a really interesting wrinkle to this game. Jameis Winston, um, first of all, um, uh, back in the ninth grade, really fell in love with football after going to an Arians run youth football camp. Bruce mm. Arians, not an Arian run football camp, not neo-Nazis. Bruce Arians, the uh, <laughs> Arizona Cardinals uh, head coach. Um, and he has been really impressive towards the tail end of last year and early this year. And we've talked about how that offense loves to bring in real proper pro wrinkles. And I, I was, again, I haven't watched that game in enough detail yet, the Falcons game, but I will do um, at some point in the next two days. But I 
still can't pick against the Cardinals losing a second game in a row. Uh, it's just a Bruce Arians coach team is too well coached to do that. Uh, the Cardinals uh, offense is much more impressive overall than what they came up against the Falcons. The Falcons have no running game. David Johnson, we saw him last week with that bouncing run outside, do exactly what he can do. I think that they will have too much for the Bucks, particularly at home. And I think actually it might not even be that close a game. I think they might beat them by a couple of scores. Um, even though I do like the Bucks this year, I'm going for the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, the Bucks defense isn't as good matchup-wise as the, the Cardinals defense to the uh, Buccaneers offense. Cardinals have got all those weapons, and I know the Buccaneers have improved their secondary with Brent Grimes and Vernon Hargreaves, who I, again, not seen play a huge amount yet because I've not watched last ga- week's game in depth, but I know is what has been one of the most impressive defensive rookies mm. uh, in preseason. But, there's so many weapons on the Cardinals between John Brown and Larry Fitzgerald and, and Michael Floyd and David Johnson catching the ball out of the backfield and running it. And, you know, Chris Johnson is a complimentary back. And I just think Carson Palmer should have another huge season this year just because he's got all of those great weapons. Um, they had about 252 yards through the air last week. I, they could easily put up 350, 400 at home this week. How do you feel about Terry and Matthew, the honey badger? He's been moved to a more um, sort of center field linebacker rather than the the ball hawk across the doing whatever he likes across that defense really uh he's coming off his surgery um on his knee back in the winter so uh, he said he's he doesn't quite like playing this way but he's going to adapt and hopefully go back to what he what he does like later on in the yeah season. it's that strong say more strong safety more like Dion Buchanan what they call the money backer role um I think that might have been a direct reaction just to the Patriots though because I think what they were expecting from New England even before Rob Gronkowski went out was almost what they delivered short passes through over the middle they've got Two very good slot receivers there. Um, Chris Hogan looked really impressive in his first game. We're talking about the Patriots now for some reason, but I I think that was a direct reaction to that. I think this week, with those big-bodied Tampa Bay Buccaneers receivers, that they will look to go deep more. And Mm. Tyrion Matthew, you'll see, drop into coverage more. So I think that might have been just a one-week thing. They know he's such a good player that he's adaptable and he can change the scheme and he can adapt to different concepts every week. I think he'll get the chance to be a bit more of a, a playmaker this week. Okay, good. Yeah, I've gone Cardinals as well. Well, let's talk about that game that I thought was going to be your big game of the week. The Sunday night game, the late game, the Green Bay Packers traveling to the Minnesota Vikings. We already mentioned it's more, I think it's likely Sam Bradford's back in by the, is in by this week. Um, it has, it's more to do with playbook than anything else. I think the Vikings struggled last week despite the win because Adrian Peterson saw eight-man, nine-man boxes constantly because Sean Hill just wasn't a true threat. And the Packers' defense was so good last week that they need a defense that's going to keep... They need to keep a defense honest. Mm. And I don't think Sean Hill's the man to do that with. That's why I think Bradford comes in this week. Um, Packers-wise, this could be... I'm leaning to... I'm kind of leaning towards a Vikings win this week. Even though I've taken the Packers for the division and the NFC, I still feel like they just, they need to show me more offensively than they did last week. It needs to be more than just Aaron Rodgers being impressive because Vikings have got great rush defense, really good safeties, like one of the best young linebacking cores. Uh, They will cause them much more issues potentially than the Jags did because the Jags is just such a young team full of talent but a young team Mm. this Vikings side yeah this could be a surprisingly low scoring game and I'm kind of leaning towards the Vikings 
obviously, this is what happens when I pick live. Obviously, I can't pick the Vikings. Uh, Green Bay gave up the least amount of rushing yards uh, of, of all the teams last week. Adrian Peterson doesn't look his normal self. However, he will have a bounce back game against Green Bay because he always runs over Green Bay. That's how it works. That's how, we're, I accept that. But what you do have is, a, uh, is the Minnesota Vikings going into a new dome, going into their new field, kicking off this, their season at home against their, their most fiercest rivals. I think they might choke. I'm not sure who's going to go under center. I think it probably could be Sean Hill, actually. Uh, because I don't think they'll be able to trust Bradford to come to come in off of two and a half weeks of of learning the new offense. Maybe we see Bradford in the game. It will be a really tight game. The Minnesota defense is outstanding, but I think Green Bay scrape it by again by within seven points, but within a score. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Packers, and here's why I'm gonna take the Packers. <laughs> is Aaron Rodgers? It's purely I can't pick a team led by Sean Hill or Sam Bradford over a team led by Aaron Rodgers playing as well as he did last week. But I think it will be tight. I think the Vikings, what they did so well against the Titans was Marcus Mariota was kept completely underwrapped, kept him in the pocket, didn't let him escape. Marcus Mariota. I'm glad you got that out of your system, mate. Uh, first game at the new stadium though could be exciting. Oh, no, I'm going Packers. Packers. Look, stop talking myself out of this. The other game that I did pick out when I was mentioning what the other great games this week might be was the Indianapolis Colts at the Denver Broncos. This is pure a top, what should be a top-tier offense going up against the best defense in the league. Uh, the first time this game hasn't involved Peyton Manning in, since 1993 was the last time wow. these two teams played and Peyton Manning wasn't involved, which is absolutely nuts. So they obviously didn't play when he had that year off. Uh, yeah, well, because they're not, they wouldn't play each other necessarily every year because they're not in the same. Well, yeah, I know. But they well, I mean, he didn't join the league till '98, and so there were the, literally they had the four years where they didn't play each other, and then they played each other again. Yeah, but they might have started. played each other because of uh, you know the the, the top Look. division winners all playing each other that the next year, you know that kind of thing. So here is what I expect. I think the Broncos' defense will be too good. Andrew Luck, four hundred yards, four touchdowns. But that was against the Detroit Lions. The Broncos' defense, I think, is just too strong for anybody right now. The Colts could put up some points, but I think C.J. Anderson will have another huge game on the ground against that against that Colts' defense, which is still lacking in talent and still needs a lot of improvement. And, um, yeah, this should be annoyingly relatively easy for the Denver Broncos. Do you know what? I kind of agree with you. The, the, that Colts' defense, that Colts' secondary is is bad. Uh, Demarius Thomas is still a scratch. We don't know whether he'll start yet or not because he's because of that hip in- injury. But they do have Emmanuel Sanders. They do have Cody Latimer. They do have Virgil Green uh, as the, the tight end. Uh, Trevor Simeon, I'm going to eat my words, he looked all right last week. So I think he'll continue that progression, that upward progression. I think still Aaron Rodgers and you know the rest of the, that offense, Dwayne Allen, Dante Moncrief, T.Y. Hilton, I think they'll still get make some plays, but maybe 10, 12 points difference that the Broncos will win by. Now, the other, the other game, I'll, I'll turn my microphone around the right way, shall I? The other game, just I want to mention in slightly more depth whilst I'm looking at them, and then we'll go through the rest of the games and make our picks, that quietly 
is maybe not even that quietly that does look like a, when you consider it's two playoff teams going head to head two teams who went on brilliant runs at the end of last year and two teams who started the season one and oh and it's the kansas city chiefs going to the houston texans and i'll tell you the chiefs offense last week i know that it took a late rally but from what we saw from them in london and from what we saw from them last week alex smith had one of his best games as quarterback in that comeback and i think he's as i've all kept saying is criminally underrated because of this term game manager i actually think spencer ware will be a fancy darling this week but the texans defense is so good that there's just going to be this phenomenal battle between the two for me, it's going to come down to how that Texans offense looks against the Chiefs defense with with Brock Osweiler having to do more under center than he had to do to pick up the win last week. Yeah, I, I, totally, agree. I totally agree with you. Stop agreeing with me. I think Jamal Charles, they'll probably sit him again. You wouldn't want him going running up against uh, Jadavian Clowney and JJ Watt et al. So expect more from Spencer Ware. Shikandrick West is going to help with, with you know... Uh, help out with uh, some of the uh, the third down stuff uh, I, I think it's not just going to be a Spencer Ware the Spencer Ware story um, Alex Smith did have a good game the Texans though with Lamar Miller who had an excellent game last week Will Fuller on DeAndre Hopkins it, it this I think is actually one of the best games I, I would have had it above the Colts and the Broncos. These are two, uh, the, the difference with that, the Colts well and the Broncos are two teams. sexy teams, whereas this uh, is two teams who, as you say, match up really well, and this looks proper exciting. Who have you gone for? I am taking the Houston Texans. Ah, you see, I've picked the Texans as well. I might go for the Kansas City Chiefs I, just to be opposite of you. Yeah, I was going to say, and I need to stop agreeing with you. because yeah, I've gone Chiefs. I've switched my pick. <laughs> uh, go Chiefs. Oh, oh, Chiefs. I've not got it in front of me, so I'll just play Agadoo instead. Good save, good save. <laughs> it wasn't a Houston Texans. Excellent. Um, Get on with it. I'm never doing that again in my life. I'm Ever. really sorry. Uh, right, let's r- go through the rest of the games and make our picks for these ones then. Uh, they, it's still a really good <laughs> week to it. It's still a really great slate of games. Another one catches the eye. New Orleans at the uh, New York Giants. This catches the eye because it could be another huge points game. I thought Giants-Cowboys was going to be uh, bigger on points than it was last week. I think Dak Prescott was limited um, and the Giants, it took that kind of second half rally. But the Saints offense looks great. The Saints defense looks terrible. The Giants offense against that Saints defense should put 40 plus points up. Do the Saints have enough to do the same? Probably they do. In which case, <laughs> it's going to be massive. So what you're saying is... Gonna Start be- all of your Saints and all of your Giants in uh, in fantasy. That's what I'm saying. And, and what you're saying is, ultimately, like last week, it could be a 39-point game. The thing is, is that the Olivia Vernon, I thought, showed really brilliant as a run-stopper last week. As yeah. an ins- he made a lot of great inside moves. He got to the running back quickly. That side of things is going to be tough, and Mark Ingram could have a really tough week this week. Snacks Harrison in the middle continues to be one of the best run stuffers in the league. But they need to, basically, this is going to be for the Giants' chance to prove that that money that they've spent in the backfield and, in the, and, and across the back seven of the defence has been worth spending. And I think this is where it's going to show more than anywhere else, is against a Saints team who love to throw that ball. Willie Sneed was so good last week. Oh, he was great, wasn't he? 
Um, so I, I'm taking the... Brandon Cooks was awesome as well. I'm taking the Giants. The Giants as well, yeah. I'm yep. taking the Giants. This is getting annoying now, isn't it? Will Tennessee bounce back? Will Makasamariota bounce back at Detroit? I know Detroit. I know Detroit got the win last week, but it was a freaky win in a weird situation. And whilst I like Matt Stafford and I like this offense this year, and I've been banging on about that for some time, I fancy the Titans to bounce back this week. Uh, I am going to take the Titans in Detroit for a win. I'm taking Detroit in Detroit against the Titans for a win. Uh, let's do Cowboys at Washington. This is a really tough game to call. I think this could be the toughest game of all of them to call. And I'll tell you why. The Cowboys' offense has not quite clicked. Dak Prescott couldn't find Des Bryant in in that second half. Terrence Williams doesn't know his lefts from his right. Ezekiel (laughs) Elliott didn't look good last week. Uh, he, he did get the, the touchdown, but... He got the touchdown, but he rushed for, was it 1.98 yards per carry? Or 2.2? One of those two. Either way, not very good. That Cowboys defense looked better, but I, I think that was first first game jitters, perhaps, from uh, the New York Giants, who in the second half came into their, into their own. Coming up against Washington, who on defense, we, you spoke about Josh Norman, he was only really the only good thing about that defense. They couldn't finish off their drives. Jordan Reed again looks a beast, but they need to find him more in the red zone or within that 30 yards as well. So I'm going Cowboys, but I don't like yeah, it. Yeah, I, I mean, I picked Washington for the division this year, but after uh, their run defense was really impressive last year. And last week it got gashed by the Steelers. However, I don't think Dallas have enough in the air and they're going to be able to return to being able to stop that run game I'm going to take Washington. Do you know what? I've picked Washington already on uh, Gridiron Pickums. Well, you uh, need to switch it now because you've said it on the podcast. Uh, Miami Dolphins at the New England Patriots. Anything say to you that the Dolphins can go into, uh, into Foxborough? I need to call it Arrowhead then. That's very much the wrong place. Into Foxborough and get a shock win. Uh, well, no one expected them apart from me to run Seattle close. So, yes. I, I don't think they will win, but I think they'll make a, a really good fist of it. The, the defensive side of things, they're going to need to put a lot of pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo. Loads. And they have the front to put pressure on based on what they did to... Based on what they did to Russell Wilson last week, they could very much do that. But if there's one team that have a timing-based offense that gets the ball out quickly, uh, that can you know, resist pass rush. It is the Patriots. I do think this is a closer game than some people are predicting because of that Miami Dolphins defensive front, but I'm picking the Patriots. Picking the Patriots. Uh, Is there an easier game to pick this week than San Francisco in Carolina? No. Fine. Do we even need to talk about it anymore? No. Good. Everyone's picking the Carolina Panthers. Everybody has picked the Carolina (laughs) Panthers. Uh, What about the Ravens at the Browns? Uh, The Ravens, uh, well, yeah. (laughs) Everyone's picking the Ravens. Yeah. I Ravens mean, defense looked really good last week. They did. CJ Mosley, very, very impressive. I mean, it, it, I want to see against a good team, whether it's a case of that was a bad Tyrod Taylor performance or a good Ravens defensive performance, but I, they're not coming up against a particularly good team this week. First chance to see the Browns at home. And actually I prefer the idea of Josh McCown under center than RG3. RG3 had the great deep threat, but Josh McCown, he hooked up well with Gary Barnage last year and he's got those young receivers 
but I don't think he'll have had enough time to really connect with them all. And I'm going to take Baltimore on the road to go 2-0. 2-0, Baltimore Ravens. As am I. And I thought they were going to be a ter- terrible, terrible team. There you go. Yep. Uh, they couldn't have had much of an easier start to the season. Somebody asked us about this game. Is it a sneaky trap game? It was Ben Jones-Bishop that asked the question. The Seattle Seahawks going to the Los Angeles Rams. Los Angeles were terrible in the opener. They should bounce back. Defensively, they should definitely bounce back because they have a front four that should put ludicrous amounts of pressure on Russell Wilson. And we saw what that did last week. But I don't trust any element of that offense right now. I don't trust the line. I don't trust... I I even don't trust Todd Gurley right now. And Todd Gurley had a huge game against Seattle last week. And I, you know, if I'm a fantasy owner, I'm not getting worried. It's early in the season. I still think he's got so much talent. But... I think this is going to be a tough opener in Los Angeles at the Coliseum, and I've got to take the Seahawks. I'm taking Seahawks too. Um, I predict there will be some weird trick play punt return fake punt thing. That's happened in their last in the last two seasons. Something like that will happen this weekend. Yeah, and it's how the Rams beat them last year, of course. Let's not forget. Who knows? Rams coaching can beat other teams. Um, actually, like the 9 o'clock slate this week is really nice because we've got that Colts-Broncos game, which is obviously the big-name matchup. We talked about how great the Bucks cardinals game looks. You've got that Seahawks-Rams game, the first game in the Coliseum. And then the other two games going on, you've got the Jags in San Diego, and then you've got the Falcons in Oakland. Those two West Coast games are uh, two both really, really intriguing matchups. Really nice matchups. I love the look of the Jags at the Chargers. Chargers, of course, they're without Dwayne Allen, uh, not Dwayne Allen, Keenan Allen, which is really disappointing. But um, Terrell Williams, is his name Terrell Williams? I think it's Terrell Williams has come in and. A lot of people have picked him up on their their fancy waiver wire. I expect him to actually do quite well. He looked okay when he came in for Keenan Allen last week, but. I think it's all about the Jags. Jags with that offense, you know they 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 were unlucky to to lose against Green Bay last week. I th- expect them to bounce back and beat the Chargers this week. Rivers has a ridiculous record against the Jaguars: five and one, fifteen touchdowns, just four interceptions, one hundred sixteen passer racing, the best of any team he's pe- faced in his entire career when he's faced them at least four times, which are his ages most teams. Uh, but and the but is in there. Um, I think you're right. I think without Keenan Allen, you saw how they fell from tw- that 27-3 lead into losing. They just don't seem like a team who have got what they need, the grit that they need to beat teams. And obviously, we've got the Jags both backed as a playoff team this year. So I've got to back the Jags to get their first win of the season. As have I. Falcons at Raiders. That defense, by the way, held Green Bay to 18 first downs and 294 total yards of offense. That's pretty impressive, even though they lost. And even though they were coming up against a really, really good Aaron Rodgers, I, the Jags' defense, sneaky, sneaky fantasy play this week. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, Falcons at Raiders. Uh, Oakland gave up so many points last week. The Falcons look like they can still score despite their running game being not too good. Just 52 total yards on the ground. 320 plus in the air, though. Uh, the Raiders, basically, their secondary needs to look better than it did last week against the Saints if they're going to keep this one, if they're going to keep the Falcons at bay. But overall, at home, I think they're the more talented team. And the, I'm still not convinced by the Falcons line with Khalil Mack, etc. coming at them. So I'm going to take the Raiders at home. Same here. Uh, and then, finally, rounding us off, Monday Night Football. Uh, uh, meh. 
I really don't care. Look, I, I, I don't mean that. I, every game at this point in the season is a good game, and we all want to see what Carson Wentz is going to do in his second game when he's not going up against the Browns. Vic Fangio is a, a defensive guru, was brilliant with the 49ers, now has the kind of players that he wants on his defense at the Bears. I think they're going to break that early season recent Soldier Field hoodoo, and they're going to beat the Eagles on Monday Night Football. I love a hoodoo. It's a great word, isn't it? Um, and I've locked it in and I've submitted my predictions. I've gone Eagles because I can't ever pick for the Bears. What will happen if the Bears one year go like 15 and 1? You're just going to have to say I'm not going to win predictions this year, but I don't mind. Yeah, exactly. So you get the double misery of being terrible at predictions and being terrible. Why don't you pick them in order that if they win, then at least there's one small thing of joy? I'm not picking the Bears. <laughs> Come on, buddy. Just nope. a little pick. Never. Just a wee little one. No. Get out. This uh, is your house. Sorry. Right. Uh, Did we get any more tweets come in? I've really got to get going because I've got to go and do this DraftKings thing. I've got to get to work. And you've got to get to work. But let's just double check. No other tweets have come in. Anything else you'd like to add before we get out of here? No. Ollie, there is time for two more things. Can you get that I cut in and redid this later? Because we had to remember to fit in Mr. Neil Dutton. If you're not familiar with Neil, he does the Waxing Lyrical podcast. He is also a fantasy czar for the UK, and we are absolutely delighted to have him joining us on the show. Every week he's going to be doing our fantasy darling section he's a fantasy football scribe for fantasy pros gridiron experts roto viz the fantasy greek nfl uk nfl girl uk loads of different locations and so he's going to be joining us weekly for our fantasy darlings and fantasy dud section so here it is the inaugural first ever fantasy darlings does well against the Browns is a bit like saying Sean Connery was quite a good Bond or pot noodle isn't really food but Joe Flacco does have a very good record for the Ravens whenever the Browns come around he's 13 and 2 in his career against them completing over 61% of his passes for 19 touchdowns and 7 interceptions something about the presence of the Browns adds a little bit of a spring to his step as he has 48 career rushing attempts against them he's available in nearly 90% of NFL.com leagues. Someone to avoid this week would be Marcus Mariota. He's owned in about 85% of leagues. Despite a presentable first week of the season, completing 25 of 41 for 271 yards, two touchdowns and an interception against the Minnesota Vikings, I really don't fancy his chances against the Lions this week. Granted, the Lions allowed 385 yards and four touchdowns last week, but that was to Andrew Luck operating at the high of his powers and with an awful lot of help around him. Marcus Mariota has the rotting corpse of Andre Johnson and Harry Douglas. When it comes to running backs to look at, TJ Yeldon is very, very highly owned, but not very many people are starting him. These people are making a mistake. Yeldon is on an offence going up against the Chargers who allowed 150 receiving yards to running backs last week. Yeldon's pretty much the only man in town as Chris Ivory is still recovering from the injury or illness that landed him in hospital for several days last week. I really don't think he's going to lose many snaps rushing or passing to Denard Robinson. Those days are gone. 
person to avoid would be Jeremy Hill. Last week, the Bengals attempted 30 passes and only 19 rushing attempts. Hill despite scoring a lot of touchdowns last year, was actually rather inefficient. He's averaged less than four yards per carry in 12 of his last 17 games. In two games against the Steelers last season, he had 22 rushing attempts for 76 yards. The Steelers only allowed 55 yards on the ground last week against Washington, but the Bengals have already shown that they may be slightly more pass-happy under Ken Zampezi than they were under Hugh Jackson. When it comes to receivers, Sterling Shepard is only starting in 8.8% of leagues this week. That would be another mistake because he's playing the New Orleans Saints. The New Orleans Saints uh, are not very good on defence. He, he saw four targets last week, reeled in three of them for 43 yards and one touchdown. The Saints allowed 15 receptions to wide receivers for 243 yards and one score. This could be a very, very long day, especially without friend of the show, Mr. Bro. And the person to avoid is John Brown of the Arizona Cardinals. Now, I'm a big fan of Smokey, but you cannot ignore the fact that he doesn't seem to be himself. Sidelined for most of August with a um, concussion and then headaches after he cleared the protocol, he only played on 57% of offensive snaps for the Cardinals against the Patriots last week. He saw four targets and only caught one of them for eight yards. So from now until further notice, I would treat Brown with extreme caution. So there you go. Three players you should sit. Three players you should start. Mm, fantasy darlings and fantasy duds. Just one final thing before we finish off the podcast this week. We thought we were going to do the hysterical thing next week. We thought Peter Andre was the winner. And that was until Big T got in touch with us on Twitter because he came up with exactly the correct answer. It's what we should have come up with last week. How we didn't think of this, I don't know. There's only one hysteria drop which could apply for this year. And we have to thank Kevin Harlan. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. There we have it. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. So send us in your hysteria and we will accuse you of being drunk. I'm not sure where we stand on that, but... The guy is drunk, but there he goes! Is the absolute brilliant shout. That's Big T, who's one of our favourite listeners, regular contact to the show, tweets all the time, and is getting married this Saturday. So a huge shout-out and big, big congratulations to him. Uh, so thank you very much for tuning in as always at Gridiron on Twitter if you do want to send your questions we'll be doing the Monday show on Monday night uh, and then I'll record the Tuesday morning recap on Monday Night Football in the morning so it'll be available for you first thing Tuesday morning at about 5 or 6 a.m. so look out for that one let us know what you think of our predictions and anything else and make sure you get to gridiron-magazine.com and make your predictions you can also subscribe the next magazine includes our exclusive interview with Odo Beckham and a history of the Colts quarterback position by Simon Clancy which is absolutely fascinating both well worth a read so get online and find those there otherwise thank you very much for listening at Gridiron on Twitter at Will Gav at Ollie Hunter we love you bye this has been The Gridiron Show Hazel Irvin here, and I'm at Mammoth Insurance in Leeds, where Kate has arranged an office chair race to fundraise for sport relief. And these riders have got their kit on. They are rearing to go. And they're off, taking an early lead and smashing injustice right out of the park. It's Daphne from Accounting, riding the spreadsheet demon chair. 
Up comes Nina from HR on Beat Me and You're Fired, closely followed by Mark from Marketing on the 9 to 5 chair. Even Javid from Health and Safety's at it, waving his clipboard like crazy. Go easy there, Javid. We don't want any injuries, fella. And from nowhere, it's Jenny on El Chero Loco, rolling right over poverty to cross the line first. And the crowd goes loco. Unbelievable. You can help change the world too. Just order your free fundraising pack at sportsrelief.com. Sportsrelief. It's game on. This message was brought to you by Acast.